Grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Use your words. As a father, I feel like I probably stated that phrase about a million times since having children now 12 years ago. Use your words. Here's how I might use that. Someone's frustrated. One of the kids are frustrated and they're having a little bit of a meltdown, uh, a little breakdown. The emotions are high and they're maybe pounding their fists, maybe grunting, yelling at each other. And, and to that, I'd say, use your words. What's going on? Let me know communicate with me how I can help. Or uh, a child may not be having a tantrum, but it might be on the other side. It might be noticeably emotional, distraught, sad, and quiet. Use your words, buddy. How, how, can, I, how can I help you today? What, what do you need? Um, sometimes the kids ask for something from me. Dad, can you make me a bagel? My response is, anyone, any guess? Use your magic words. Use the, what's the magic word, right? Which is, I'd say, just a derivative of this whole idea. Use your words. I mean, we're, we're trying to teach our children manners, but we're not simply assuming that they are being rude or demanding, but, but we're also teaching them that while you use your, or while you're displaying manners, while you have manners in your heart, you also can communicate them to other people by saying things like, please, and thank you, and you're welcome. Use your words. Sometimes kids just don't know. That's, this is part of discipleship, of growing up, of learning, of teaching, of parenting. Just teaching kids what to say. Say your please and thank yous. And sometimes they might have such heightened emotions that the words, they're, they're escaping them or they're not even thinking about using their words. And so we teach them. And that is kind of what we're doing here in this sermon series. During the season of, of Lent, this is a season historically that we as Christians prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds for the greatest week in world history, that week when our Lord Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem, that week when he broke bread with his disciples, that week when he prayed in the garden, that week when he hung on the cross, that week, oh, glorious week, when he rose from the grave and conquered sin and death and the devil for our sake. And as we're preparing ourselves to celebrate that week, we're also preparing ourselves to 
use our words. All right. Here's how Peter says it in 1 Peter chapter 3. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So we prepare our hearts to celebrate what the Lord has done, and we prepare our mouths to, to communicate what the Lord has done to other people. And so the gospel in seven words, there's nothing theologically significant about the number seven in this instance, but here's why we pick seven words. We want the gospel to be something that sticks in your head, something you remember, and something that but yet something that's, that stirs, something that connects to your heart, your emotions. And if you'd like to hear me pontificate more about that, you can feel free to go back to our previous sermons on our podcast and, and listen there. So these past couple weeks, this is now the third week, what we've been doing as we're preparing ourselves to confess, preparing to confess the gospel is we've been taking a look at various gospel themes or images or metaphors that get used throughout Scripture. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, we looked at the theme of isolation and community. Then last week, we looked at death and life. How sin brings death and how Jesus gives us life. Today, we are going to take a look at captivity and freedom. So let's get rolling. Sound good? All right. Oh, here's my jewel picture, right? Gospel metaphors. I, I, I like to say that the gospel is like a diamond and that Different metaphors, depending on how you hold the diamond, how you hold the gospel, different metaphors, different themes really uh, shine, really stand out like on a diamond. And so that is kind of what we're doing today. All right, so let's get to work. We good? If you don't know, this might look more like a Bible study than a sermon in some ways, and it is what it is. So that's how we roll here at Christ Lutheran. So... Um, with a single word, describe what it's like to be a captive. I'll give you a minute to think about that. Ron, I saw your. Say that again. Constrain. Constrain, okay. Right from the beginning. <laughs> well, see, here's the game. I ask for people to give uh, one word, and they give me the hardest word to spell, and they know I don't have a spell check. So here we go. Constrain. Not so bad. I think. Good? Yeah, good enough. All right. All right, John. Trapped. Ooh, I like that one because it's really easy to spell. Donalyn. Suffocate. Is it A? O? No. Thanks. See, you all are better than a spell check. 
All right, I saw Jennifer. Oppressed. Oppressed. Mm. So we have constrained, trapped, suffocate, oppressed. John. Isolated. See here how this sort theme sort of overlaps with our theme from a couple weeks ago, isolation and community, right? So not mutually exclusive, right? Anyone else? Brandon. Under. Under. Okay. I like, okay, I, I, I think I know where you're going. Can you flesh that out for me? You're not allowed to turn my own words against me here, right? So. Oh, so like the, an overlord and, and you're under that or oppressor kind of thing. Is that, is that the, where you're going? Yeah. Yeah. Under my thumb. Was it the Rolling Stones that sang that song or? Yeah, under my thumb. Yeah, so yeah, good, good. This is this is helpful. Anyone else? Ryan. Fearful. Fearful. Okay. Beautiful. Okay, let's uh, let's keep going. So, next question here: What do you think would be the worst part? of being in prison. Maybe it's something that's already been s stated. Maybe it's something else. Hopelessness, right? Just sort of uh, day, every day you're just, well, am, I, am I ever going to get out of this place, right? Especially if you're someone who maybe is unjustly in prison, which happens. Yeah. Okay, what else? What do you think would be the worst part of being in prison? Chris? Loneliness. Loneliness, yeah. So that's isolated, had been talked about, uh, had been mentioned already, but being away, like, from the people you love. You, to, one of the best parts of being here right now, and I say the, the, the importance of going to church, uh, we watch church online when that's our only option, right? But when it's possible to, to be in community with people who love us, who look us in the eye, who, who uh, can embrace us and hug us, right? And so when, when that is cut off, when what you're left with is simply phone call or seeing someone through a pane of glass once a month, whew, that could be lonely, right? And then the worst form of prison can be being sent to the hole, right? Uh, isolation completely, not, not only from your family and loved ones, but from even the other prisoners. John. Identity. Kind of what you're saying. Is there a 
Your so so not only are you in prison behind bars away from everyone that you want to be with, but now for the rest of well I'll I'll, I'll put the asterisks on it the rest of your earthly life that stigma is going to follow you right when you get out of prison and you try to get a job <laughs> part of your identity is that you have been locked up. In the past, right? Yeah, I like it. I like where you're going. Other thoughts? Brandon. Yeah. Right. So that really, you know, captivity, right? Uh, uh, you are bound. You cannot do what you want. Can, you're, yeah, you're being controlled, or you lost. Ooh, that 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 word there speaks to my heart. Someone who likes to be in control, right, and and plan things and all that. Like the idea that I am have lost that, and now I'm just shackled and being uh, following someone's orders. Whew. Yeah, good. Donald. Yeah, I like I like that image. Uh, I see I exactly. see quicksand, right? And and uh, you you can swim as hard as you want, right? But getting out is seemingly impossible in that moment, no matter what you do. Next question: Can can you think of anyone in the Bible who is a prisoner, captive? Yes. Oh, yeah. Can, can you tell me more? Well, first of all, kudos to you for answering the perfect question, or answer for every church question there is, right? You got it, dude. And, and kudos to mom and dad for uh, discipling your child well. So, um, yeah, so can you, h how was Jesus uh, a prisoner? Can you think of uh, a specific story, maybe? On, when he was on the cross, so he was under trial. He was taken prisoner by the temple guards. <sighs> Amen. Yeah. Anyone else? Who? Uh, ideas of... Okay, okay. I like it. So I did, had, not, had not in my mind thought of that one uh, prior, but that is really good. I mean, you're in the belly of a fish. Um, you're constrained, you can't go, you can't leave really easily until the thing vomits you out, uh, you're, you might be suffocating a little bit, isolated, yeah, no, that's really good, Trey. Yes, uh, behind Ron and then Ron. Paul, right. What did Paul do when he was in prison? Any idea, or do you remember? Okay, okay, so yeah, and so the, the angel came, the prison was open, there was an earthquake, that sort of stuff. Um, 
Before he was released, he was singing hymns with Silas. At least I'm thinking of the instance in Philippi. And then other times when he was in prison, he wrote the Bible. You know, pretty important stuff. So, yeah, so Paul was in prison, and yet God still was able to work through that. Really good, really good. Ron. Uh, yeah, that's, that's funny. I love it. I was afraid that you were about to say that uh, vacation Bible school is like prison. So, no. Uh, so, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, any, any other thoughts of examples from the New Testament, or from the, from the Bible? Joseph. Joseph. So, Joseph the patriarch, right? And uh, his brothers threw him into slavery. God would use that for their good down the road, right? Samson. Sam, okay, Samson had his eyes gouged out and was uh, imprisoned by the Philistines, right? All right, did I say that? Yeah. So maybe uh, I think of Daniel. He's thrown into the lion's den, right? Um, anyone else? Thinking oh, uh, more corporately, we would say that, uh, and this is more like maybe captivity is the better word, but the uh, Israelites in Egypt, and then the Israelites again in Babylon during the Babylonian exile, right? When, when uh, Babylon comes and takes the Israelites over to a, to a foreign country, right? And... Um, What's modern-day Iraq, pretty much. So, good. Yeah, good, good thoughts, good discussions. All right, besides a physical prison with bars and guards and locked doors, what other types of captivity imprison people today? And, and Donalyn, you're starting to go here. Yeah, to me, it's insecurity. Uh, oh. So insecurity or, or fear can be kind of that uh, thing that we're under, if you will, uh, the thing that's controlling us, that keeps us captive so that we can't be free to be who the Lord created us to be. Ryan. Social media. Mm, okay, yeah, can you tell me more about that? Uh, and, and I'm sorry, I'm repeating this. For, those, uh, for our friends who are listening on the podcast right now, right? And so social media is what Ryan said. And, um, yeah. I mean, people are just beholding to whatever accounts they have. Right. right. Their entire, that becomes their entire life. Right, right. So, so our, our Instagram life, right, getting that perfect picture. I just summited a 14er. 
Let me take a, uh, a selfie. Oh, I'm going to back up a little bit and fall thousands of feet to my death, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that sounds like uh, captivity to me, right? <laughs> yeah, so, Trey? Oh, okay. Yeah, poverty, homelessness, where got five bucks in front of you, and um, am I going to spend that? Uh, am I going to save that? How can I sa- put that into savings when I haven't eaten yet today, right? And or up here, uh, what, what, what we see is when fifty or sixty percent of a person's paycheck goes to their their housing. Oftentimes, something has to give. So they say, eh, I should be fine without insurance this month until they're not, right? And then, ooh, talk about uh, you know, medical debt. You get into that one, that's, uh, that's real hard to get out from under. <laughs> so, yeah, Brandon. The other side of that is wealth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the rich rich young ruler, right? And he comes to Jesus and says, "What do I have to do to get eternal life?" And well, you know, and, and essentially after a lengthy discussion, Jesus goes, uh, "Sell all that you have and come follow me," right? Cuz he what Jesus saw is that his wealth, his possessions were the, actually the things holding him captive from the life that Christ gives. So, Brian, did I see your hand? Okay, mental illness. So it's like uh, uh, depression, mental illness is like that uh, uh, internal prison almost, right? Where you wake up and you just, you literally cannot get out of bed that day. And you're trying. And no no one's there physically holding you down. No one's strapping you down. But there's something happening inside of you that is like captivity, right? Uh, Jennifer, then John. Shut-ins, right? So that's come up a couple times these past couple weeks. Um, but yeah, shut-ins, when they are physically limited, people, typically elderly people, are physically limited from going out uh, because of illnesses or whatnot. And so it's like they're a prisoner in their own home. Yeah. John. Right. So anxiety, um, and that could be linked to kind of social media. Um, the the fear of just even going out. Maybe there are people, and and we. This is where we have to be gracious on this. On the one hand, as a pastor, I'm going to say, go to church, be with the people of God. But there are people who have anxiety that's been caused by COVID, right, or whatever. And now there's, there's even a apprehension of a fear of even going to be with those, those people that they might have it, right? And, and that's a real thing. We don't want to um, be self-righteous in how we approach that. Marilyn? Yeah, so there, 
kind of surprised that it, it uh, maybe took this much talking to get to that, but that was the one of the first ones I thought of. Um, addictions, substance abuse, and uh, so addiction. Yeah, could be. And Breton, Heidi, we were talking about this last night, right? How um, it can change your brain chemistry. How it can. Uh, you're just searching for that one more, one more hit. Um, and along with substance abuse, that's the first place my mind goes when it goes to addiction, but also quickly, um, there are sexual addictions, pornography, messes with your brain, so that uh, you want to go back, get that next look, right? The other uh, kind of uh, addiction that I thought of, well, there's food addictions, Gambling addictions, shopping addictions, yeah, really good. Uh, uh, I mean, I I've know a situation where an uh, individual was so addicted to gambling that they faked having cancer so that they could explain away where all the money was going and drain their family's accounts. And uh, it was brutal. But talk about addiction, like there's something going on that just need that, you know. I, and I've, I've only a couple times walked into a casino, and you've seen the lights and uh, the flashing, the ding, 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 ding. It's like, I don't need this in my life <laughs> because uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't even, I've got plenty of vices that I'm working on. Lord Jesus, help me, right? I don't need to add another one. <laughs> um, the, the other one that I thought of, kind of in this lane, but in totally tangent here, is adrenaline junkies, right? I mean, junkie is, you know, kind of a reference back to drug or substance abuse, right? But uh, always seeking that next high, dopamine, right? Like that's our, our chemical in our brain that gives us that, that thrill, that feeling of euphoria. And so you're climbing a little bit higher. You're going a little bit faster, you're doing something a little bit riskier. It's almost like an addiction. You're almost captive. Yeah. John? Uh, leadership. Okay, so, so how is leadership um, kind of a, meta- or a metaphor for being in prison or... Who we look to guide us. Right? So okay. Yeah. So, so we crave leadership as human beings. Uh, sometimes as Americans, we, we really like to, hey, I'm free. I do what I want, right? Don't tell me. But we're all, uh, people are following someone, right? Bob Dylan, everybody serves some, somebody, right? <laughs> you know, it might be the, the devil, it might be the Lord, but you're serving somebody, right? Let's make sure we're serving the, the right person here. And so uh, you can think historically, Hitler, leaders who were not godly, but even pastors, uh, if, I, if I'm not uh, 
merely leading you to follow Jesus as I follow Jesus. If I, if I am pointing you politically or whatever, morally, socially, uh, somewhere else, that's where you, you have my permission to stop following me. Um, don't follow, don't be addicted to a personality. Right? Ron. Mm, okay, so the Ukrainians today, although they're not literally in behind bars, they are in prison in the sense that there are millions of people in that country that, um, you know, they're trying to get out. There are some refugees, some have, who have evacu- uh, or, yeah, evacuated, right? But many that haven't gotten there yet. And they're kind of crying out, help U.S., help world, Europe, help us. Because they feel like they're in prison by the Russians, yeah. All right, let's, uh, here, here's where I'm going to ask you to, to turn to your Bible a little bit. So, um, got a couple passages, passages here. Who could uh, read the Luke 4 passage for us? Could someone volunteer, please? Trey's got Luke 4. All right, I need someone to take John 8. Brian's got John 8. Jennifer, can you take Galatians 5? Someone on this side now. Can't make them do all the work. So. <laughs> Anyone want Col- Colossians 1? Brandon, thanks. Trey, are you ready? Sure. Verses 18 and 19, please. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Awesome. Thank you. Of course, that was our gospel reading already, part of it, this morning. But after processing through some of this captivity stuff, I wanted to, to, to now talk about it. This is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, right? He has just gotten done with his temptation. The first thing he does when he comes out and he starts his ministry, he starts, he's in his hometown, Nazareth, right? And he, he, he talks about captivity and freedom. I'm here to bring freedom. This is a gospel metaphor. Next, who's got our John 8? John 8, 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Hmm. So, uh, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So see how even scripturally our Lord Jesus goes and uses kind of a met- our, uh, um, captivity in more of a metaphorical realm, not literally being behind bars like his cousin John was right around that time, but um, how sin produces captivity in our lives. And was that both 34 and 36? Yeah, that's what I thought. So, thank you. Good. And Jesus, he, he's the one who gives freedom, right? Galatians 5.1, Jennifer. Christ has set us free. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit against to a, again to a yoke of slavery. Hmm. 
Christ sets us free. Don't be, don't, don't submit to a yoke of slavery again. Sin is there. It's always calling us back. Paul's warning through that letter, don't do it, right? Stick with Jesus. And then our last reading, Colossians 1. Thank you, Brandon. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hmm. So Colossians 1, and I, I get, again, images of the Exodus, where the domain of darkness is that land of Goshen, right, in Egypt, where they can't get out from under Pharaoh's thumb, and that the Lord, Yahweh, has delivered them from slavery. Very good. So what word comes to mind when you think of being freed from sin and death by Jesus? Is there another word? Yes, please. Life. Life. I love it. So, life. Again, we see last week our theme, our discussion was on death and life. So these metaphors overlap with each other, right? So uh, we're able to live life and life in its fullest, abundant life when we're set free by our Lord Jesus. Who else? Jennifer. Joy. Joy. Ah, right. And that, I mean, that's, I, I love it when I hear a word and it makes me feel good on the inside, like, and my daughter's joy, of course, so that doesn't hurt, but, uh, but yes, joy, the, the internal feeling that we get. Next, Chris. Gratitude. Gratitude. And, you know, so what do we in response to the gospel, the good news, what do we do? We return to the Lord uh, our thanks and our praise, right? So gratitude and adoration, right? Love. Love. Tell, can, can you say more? Why, why is that word powerful for you? It's the greatest. It's the greatest, right? I'd say when we are freed from sin, that we can love without concern of what other people will think or concern about being captain. No, we know Jesus has set us free. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, right? And so we can love without reservation. We can love fully. Sometimes love can be a scary thing because when we love, uh, when we show compassion, we open ourselves up and expose our hearts and our feelings, and we can be vulnerable at that moment. What Jesus tells us with the good news is like, hey, I got you, right? <laughs> no matter what, love. Yeah, good, good, John. Knowing, Knowing uh, K-N-O-W, yes. yeah. Hmm. So freedom, I, I think of being enlightened by the gospel, knowing, right, the, that the, the truth. Yeah, good. Donalyn. No more suffocation of sin. Yeah. 
breath. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, that's more than one word. But uh, so breath, B-R-E-A-T-H. Marilyn, did I see your hand? Serving. Serving. So, so closely related to love can be uh, service, right? So I'm going to put it up here. Love, serve. Uh, I'm sorry, Trey. Trust. trust. Great. Yeah, uh, think of a, a trust fall when you fall back and, um, you, you, I don't know, you're, you're free from the fear of like falling and hurting yourself. Same kind of thing that when uh, you have the trust of the Lord, you know that you can make whatever moves knowing that Jesus, is, he's got you again. So, and Brandon? Uh, mercy or merciful, how he is toward us. Mercy. So the Lord has been merciful to us. I mean, that the idea of that word mercy is that we deserve punishment. And the Lord said, I got it. I'll take it on myself so that we can be merciful to others. Um, yeah, good. Liz? I was going to say, like, lightness as in not burdened. Uh, light, light as in, uh, w- yeah, weightiness kind of stuff, right? So, and uh, is that L- L-I-G-H-T? Right, okay, so. I like... You guys have given good lists here, and I like that the, the freedom side list is longer than the uh, captivity side list. That, I don't know, just makes my heart feel good. So, um, can freedom, can our freedom in Christ be taken away? Can we all just answer this together? One, two, three. No. Okay. reason I put that question up there, though, is because... We sometimes, as Americans, uh, we, t- we talk about how the freedom that we have um, as citizens of this country, and that's true, but the freedom we have in Christ is different than the freedom that we have to go to war to protect. Does that make sense? Like, so the freedom that we have in Christ, our Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine have that freedom too. They may not have the uh, freedom to worship publicly like we do, or in some places, or they may not have the freedom to leave physical, geographical bounds. But what Jesus did on the cross is done. It is finished. You're free. And so we can cling to that freedom that we have in Jesus, regardless of our surrounding circumstances. Here's the the gospel in seven words that I came up with for our theme today. Jesus frees us from captivity to sin. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, good. Seven words. So Jesus frees us from captivity to sin. To sin. All right, so let me talk a little bit about wh- where we're going from here. 
visitors, you are free to join in on this. Um, but specifically members here are regular attenders. This is where we are going. I'm looking to you to submit your gospel in seven words. So it could be, maybe it's using that, that analogy or that theme of uh, captivity and freedom we talked about today. Maybe that really speaks to your heart. Maybe it's the death and life image. Maybe it's isolation and community. A few others I'm just going to roll out real quick. Lost and found. Maybe that speaks to you. Darkness and light. Sickness and healing. Empty and full. Futility and purpose. Wage and gift. Lies and truth. Or maybe there's another metaphor, image of the gospel that really speaks to your heart. But over these next few days, sometime um, by Wednesday, if you could submit to me your gospel in seven words by email, and here's what I'm going to do next week, we're going to talk about our gospel. And I'll share our gospels in seven words. I won't put your name to it unless you want me to, unless you want to be identified, so I'll make it anonymous that way. But also, what's going to happen next week is Rhonda, who puts together our slides for us, our screens for us, she's going to be up with us, and she's going to be in my office with a video camera, and would just like to record sound bites, or video bites, I guess, of you saying your gospel in seven words. We're going somewhere with that, just Trust us on that one. But let me, for a second here, just talk a, a little bit more about captivity and freedom. I mean, the, the whole Passover meal, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, it's a meal. What, you know, what, what are the roots to it? It's to remind us that we were captive and that we have been sent free. That In the Old Testament, the people of Israel were captive to Egypt. That they couldn't do what they wanted to do. That they couldn't go where they wanted to go. That they had to build bricks. And then build bricks without straw. And then that they never had a day off. That they were captive to their jobs. Captive to the Pharaoh. And Yahweh steps in powerfully through the ten plagues, and through Moses, sets them free, across the Red Sea, ultimately across the Jordan and into Israel. And so Jesus picks up on this metaphor, captivity and freedom, and he's having the Passover meal with his disciples, and he talks about how, what happened there? That's what I'm doing. Ultimately, not just setting you free for once, but doing, doing it once and for all. Freedom from sin so that you could have the, the life that only I can give. And that is when we look to the cross, we see Jesus becoming captive, becoming isolated, becoming 
punished and, and abused and humiliated and spit on and ultimately killed and crushed so that you can have the freedom that only he can provide. Thanks be to God that through Jesus Christ we are no longer captives, but we have the freedom of eternal life. Amen.